Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's going on, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? Good to see you. Yeah, see you. The operative word. One of these days we're going to get back in the studio. Yeah, once you have one day where you're not busy, you're going to come down to Berea Pond and check out the office that I checked out last Saturday. You're going to say that's great, and then we're going to have a new studio. Yeah, no, that sounds cool, and you're kind of comfortable with the equipment? I mean, we'll find out. Uh, we'll throw it together and make it work. Yeah, if not, I know people smarter than me. So, For those who have been guests on our show, they know how cool that little studio was, and for our faithful listeners, it really was great. And we had the wool pulled out from under us, the rug pulled out from under us, so now we're we're scrambling. Although, honestly, when I listen in, um, these remote or, you know, Zoom, if you will, whatever that technology is, sound okay. Yeah, it could be much worse. I have no complaints. It is just more fun to not be in a sleeveless shirt in my man cave. It would definitely be a little more fun to, you know, be well, in I'm public naked. again. I'm uh, I mean, at least you got to sleeve the shirt on. I'm actually naked. I know you can only see my head, but that is the beauty of doing it here. I'm, 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 I'm Jeffrey Tubin. It. You, you really are, and and I'm uh, trying to decide if I'm disgusted or aroused. I can't figure it out. Oh, I would be disgusted. <laughs> um, see where CNN let him go, and they let that Brian Stelter go. Oh well, reliable no. sources. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, I guess CNN is saying that they want to go back to news. Of course, the right is jumping all over that saying, oh, see, you can't tell all lies all the time. <laughs> but you can because I watch Fox. <laughs> That's funny. They've they've done pretty well with uh, yeah, some pretty exaggeratory folks in the uh, in the prime time. I've got a great question for you, Trism, but I know you've got a couple of things you want to get to first, so I'll let you get to them before I ask you my great question. Okay. Well, you're known for great questions, so I look forward to that. You know, the first thing I would just True like enough. to say, yeah, we, we always thank our sponsors, but uh, I would like to thank, of course, Berea Pond, um, of course, Bad Wolf Gaming, but our man Troy at Front Porch Studios, who has basically held our hands and babied us through all this. Um, right. Uh, and I've had a lot of people ask me, Trisden, we also want to do a podcast we sound better than you and ray how can we do it yeah. so uh, now all you got to do is go to frontporchstudios.com and troy is going to take care of you there's a few different options if you're trying to, to dip your dip your foot into the world of podcasts so just check out frontporchstudios.com for with our guy troy and right now he's got some deals on there um that include if you have any trips coming up, if you book it through Expedia, it will actually send a little bit of that to Front Porch Studios. So, Ray, if you've got any trips coming up, if you're familiar with Expedia.com, that's one of those things where yeah. you, yeah, you just, you know, discounted trips, discounted hotels, and then you click that yeah. through Front Porch Studios, Troy gets a little cash. So, hook Troy up if you that's get a great. chance. Yeah. And if you want to get started in some podcasting, uh, check out our man Troy. And of course, uh, we'll get to the Bad Wolf Gaming, uh, comedy here a little later and as, as well as your Berea Pond joke of the day and we'll, we'll thank uh, those guys a little bit later but help out our boy Troy at uh, frontporchstudios.com and hopefully we'll have a uh, produced commercials coming up that will save me from stuttering out these uh, these ads yeah 
And I look at that a little differently. You know, you, you say you figure people have listened to us and think they can do it better. I think, frankly, we've set the bar so high that people want to emulate us. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I'm sure there's one both. or the other. Most it's, definitely. It's, well, it's probably one or the other. I don't know if it could be both. So well, let's, it, say, let's say we're great, Dresden. Hell. I'm not saying we're not great. I just think it's easy for the novice to sit back in their little couch and say, I could do that. Judgment. Uh, you right. know what? It's not like everything else in the media for somebody that's been on the, the fringe of media for the last 18 years. None of it is as easy as it looks. Even this. It is true. Yeah. There's, it is true. It is somehow a little bit of a talent. Yeah, and to do it by yourself, really. I mean, I, I start to stutter, and you pick up, and vice versa, and, you know, having ideas to bounce off people. I mean, I'm sure doing it by yourself is cool, too, but I'm just not that much of a dictator. I'd much rather have, you know, the conversation. I, I agree. You know, it's much. You're having, yeah, you're having a conversation yeah. with yourself, which is a little right. weird. Much more fun. You know who's great at that, though, is our buddy, that uh, our, the, our guest, the, the boomer? Ration, Rational Boomer. You know, I see Boomer, his, yeah. his stuff every day, and man, he just goes like seven, eight minutes. It's nuts. Right. He's awesome. Yeah. If you agree with him, of course, our right-leaning right, uh, friends would, would not take that uh, opportunity to listen. He's, he's, he's pretty anti. He's pretty mean to the Trump folks. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's talented at what he does. Yeah, mean to the Trump folks, though. I, I hope that doesn't get misinterpreted because we've done some of that, too. I probably bears repeating because it's been a few shows i find so much right with conservatism it's just that maga is not conservative maga is authoritarian you know conservatives are the biggest believers in democracy hence liz cheney um but maga is not about conservatism it's about authoritarianism and that is definitely a difference with a distinction yeah, no, I agree. And again, I always go back to whenever you say that, I, of course, say that uh, literally the best and some of my favorite po folks on the planet are conservative and some of my favorite folks on the planet are Trumpers. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to get through to them. I'm not going to change their mind. So it's, you know, you just love these people and you don't have those conversations because, you know, okay. I think this well, show and... This show and what we do, I think, is for people who are enough in the middle that they're open to, to at least the conversation and trying to listen and a little bit open-minded. But, you know, some folks on our side aren't open to that, and certainly the Trump folks aren't open to that, or a lot of the Trump folks are not not open to okay. any anything. Yeah. So that, and we didn't even talk last night, so none of this is rehearsed, as you can probably <laughs> tell. Uh, that, what you just said about some of your favorite people being Republican and or in the world of MAGA leads to my question. So we often hear it said, I believe my brother has said it many, many times, who was a guest a couple episodes back, and we didn't get into politics with Tommy. It was mostly about his career teaching, but we're going to have him back to talk politics. And we've had Dave on and talk politics and Aaron on and talk politics and Tony and on and on and on. And, and they're all they're all over the spectrum, those guys, political spectrum. But this... Um, notion that's kind of grown is that, and I think it's perpetrated by the left, so basically a critique from the left is that uh, what Trump represents is a throwback to the 50s. So, so it's really a two-part question. Why 
do we think that? Maybe a three-part question. Is that terrible? And is it wrong? Is it, 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 so I guess the way you look at it, if you're on the left is, you know, that's a time when white men ruled, black folks were in the back of the bus, homosexuals were in the closet, women were barefoot and pregnant. So, so they get characterized by that. That's what you want to return to. Is it possible that they want to return to some values and some respect and some yes, sir, and no, sir, and Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds, not Trisden and Laura, or Ray and Patty? I mean, I find myself thinking about this stuff. Like, So, that, so that's kind of my question to, what you, to, to, to which you say what? Well, you know what, Ray? I think that is fascinating because there's not a person – you know, from my age up that doesn't like, you know, those simple conversations where folks say yes, sir, and no, sir. And, you know, people work hard and, and families marry and stay together. You know, there there's something to be said for, for that. I mean, I don't know that, you know, the, the direction that we're going is, is necessary, uh, that, you know, everything's falling apart. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those people, but, you know, there is you know, there is some nostalgia in looking back at, at families that were together and, you know, maybe just a simpler minded time. I mean, we didn't have the knowledge we have now. I think uh, so, one of them, oh, go ahead. Well, let me ask this then, Trizen, because all of this is fluid and I'm just thinking about it really as we're having this conversation. Well, I think about it a lot, but things are coming to me as, as you and I speak. That's a great point you just made. Um, in addition to what I said, would be sort of traditional values and roles and family. So, is there a way going forward to mold all of it? Obviously, we're having all this cognitive dissonance because you've got the right saying America's going to hell in a handbasket because of issues like transgender and 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 abortion, and they're trying to take our guns and all of this crazy. And then you've got the left saying there's a there are a bunch of pig-headed, stubborn morons who who want to bring us back to the 15th century. So is there a way to make both those things work? Can you have respect for traditional quote-unquote family values while at the same time realizing the rights and the acceptance of just to, just to because it's in the news so much, uh, for the sake of this discussion, transgender folks? Can both those things happen simultaneously? Or is that where we find ourselves left fist, right fist, bumping into each other? Oh, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, I absolutely think that those two factions could 100% uh, get along. I, I got a mailer the other day for a church locally that said without saying it on this mailer that we're very much open to homosexuals, transgender. We believe that everybody should come worship God. So having seen there's a, that's probably wow. the second or third church I've seen that have sort of made that appeal. Now, would I say that 90% of the churches probably wouldn't have that same appeal here in central Kentucky? My assumption is yes. 90% of churches would not feel comfortable inviting your transgender family out. But just right. the fact that those churches are now uh, saying, look, God loves everybody. 
come on out. You know, we want to, tells me at least that, uh, that there is hope, you know, for those two factions to sort of come together. I mean, the problem is, is the politicians continue to tell us, look, that the Democrats have to hate the Republicans because they're evil. The Republican politicians are telling the Republicans they have to hate the Democrats because they're evil. Look, we just have to open our eyes and see that we're all kind of human. We're all just trying to get through day to day. Look, we don't have to hate each other. The, The problem is that the politics are polarizing people that would probably just get along if not for all the vitriol. Uh, can I ask what charge that was? <laughs> you know what? You Ironically, remember? yeah, I've got it. Uh, Sounds like the I've Unitarians. Got it near my desk here. It's called the Daylight Church. Uh, it's in right. uh, R- Richmond, but I think they've got a uh, another location in Berea, but it's called the Daylight Church in Richmond. And it uh, literally says, Jesus ate with everyone on the flyer. And it uh, says, Turn- turned off by a church, looking for a place where you can belong as you are. Everyone is welcome, in quotes, seriously, everyone, and mercy beats judgment every time. So, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. That's a pastor we need to get on here. That You know what? I thought the same thing, and I didn't see any Reach contact to info. She. I completely yeah, no. agree. That would be a fascinating conversation. A, yeah, fascinating conversation, and, and it does go a little bit to answering that question. But, you know, it's just... Um, <sighs> You know, how would a conservative answer that charge that you're backwards and you want to bring us back to a time where, as I said before, blacks were in the backs of buses, homosexuals in the closet, women, in, you know, the old barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Um, how does a conservative answer that other than saying F you, a-hole? I would say if you sat down with a with a genuine conservative that wasn't just online trying to own a lib, they would probably say something to you to the effect of, look, we were post-war in the 1950s. It was a peaceful time in American history. There was a lot of American right. pride. Uh, car right. technology was just becoming kind of a cool thing. Um, there was a lot of things happening. Everybody had jobs. You know, it Travel. was... It, yeah, travel was becoming prevalent. It was definitely it was a time of American pride. Now they would say, "Look, we also understand segregation was horrible." So you know, I, I like to think that a lot of folks would say forcing homosexuals to not be who they truly are was a horrible thing. But I think a common sense. Republican might say, can't you mix some of that national pride? Can't you bring back some of that family unit where people take marriage a little bit more seriously without obviously getting rid of, you know, the racism, the anti, uh, homophobia, et cetera. So, I mean, I think there is room to say, can't we find that national pride? Can't we come together without hating half the country? Now, a lot of people are still always going to hate, in terms of their religion tells me I have to hate gays or whatever. But I think a lot of people are above that. And a lot of people would like to have the yes, sir, no, sir, or no, ma'am, whatever, without all the hate. How big do you reckon, say I've been in Kentucky a while now, I get to use that word, Tristan. It's fair. And by the way, as an aside, it's a wonderful word. It's an old English word that has, it, it works. Reckon is a fine word. I don't know how it sort of got co-opted by Appalachia and was looked at by the rest of the country as, you know, backwards. How many folks do you reckon are actually um, actually don't want to see a mixing of the races, are just completely opposed to homosexuality, 
think that abortion should be outlawed. What is that number? I mean, if you watch MSNBC, they're going to tell you it's 70% of Republicans. I, you know, what is that number, Tristan? Man, I, I don't I know. I that's mean, a very, very, that's a, that's a very tough question to answer or define. But, you know, what, what is your opinion? What do you think? Man, we're in our bubble, of course. But, you know, even in central Kentucky, gosh, I don't think it's, I don't, th- certainly not 70%. I mean, I, there's still the 10% of those folks that are just extremely traditional yeah. that are just never going to turn the corner. Most of those folks older or in very, very rural type communities. But again, these days, everybody's got a gay friend or a gay sibling or a gay aunt, uh, you know, or uh, and or black and Hispanic family members that have married in. And I think the country is getting to the point where it's just harder to hate these people that are that don't look like wasps, essentially. So, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those people. You know, look at the Cheneys. You know, 15 years ago, Dick and Liz Cheney and, you know, Dick had a gay homosexual daughter and Liz had a homosexual sister. You know, they were very anti-homosexual and probably, you know, to a degree still are. But it just becomes tough to hate people that you know and like, right? Like, it it has has to – that's what the melting pot does. You sort of start to realize everybody's kind of just like you. They just either want to sleep with somebody else or they look a little different in the mirror or their vernacular happens to be slightly different than yours, but we all just kind of want the same stuff. That's why they say travel is the cure for racism. Well, it happened to Malcolm X when he went to Mecca and came back much, you know, he had a lot of disdain for white people and went to Mecca and saw all races mixing and came back and said, maybe that's not the answer. Maybe we don't need to hate. Um, And I think you make a great point that we are in a transition, probably from the 50s to now, that's what, 70 years? And that's really a a, a minuscule amount of time. It's not not even one lifetime um, for enormous change to happen. And obviously folks who are pushing various issues, be they transgender issues, homosexual issues, uh, you know, interracial issues, so on and so forth, are not going away. This is going to stay with us. These changes are going to be made. Progress is going to come. You know, what was the Martin Luther King line? Uh, The arc of history bends towards justice, but it bends very slowly. And again, 70 years, not really an enormous amount of time. Look at look at race relations, hundreds, literally hundreds of years, and we still have problems, though, to your point, they are better. So is that where we find ourselves now, just in this place where both sides are kind of scratching their heads a little bit, trying to figure out where you fit in? And to your point, people, not just politicians, media as well, exploit that and gin it up. And, you know, come on, let's be honest. That's what Trump did and and stirs the pot and stirs the pot because they've got their ulterior motives. But perhaps we're just working our way through all of this stuff. Well, in the fascinating conversation that I always have with a lot of my Republican friends, they're always blown away to have a conversation with me. Well, you're kind of in the middle. You know, you're not one of these crazy Democrats. Like, you're the anomaly, Trisden, because the rest of your party is batshit. And the thing I'm fascinated by is, like, 
That's not the case. That's what the media has told you our party is and vice versa. That's why when I have those same conversations with my Republican friends, we agree on almost everything with some shades of disagreement. So the problem is, is that, you know, we talked about Joe Biden last time and the media told everybody what a senile imbecile he was. And then he showed up in the debates and he was somewhat normal. I think the same thing happens to folks when they talk to their friends who vote differently than them. They'll find that, okay, well, we're probably not going to be on the same exact path on abortion. And, you know, like maybe, you know, we have shades of disagreement as to where those laws should stand. But it's it's not that far. Like most people are in the, the middle of that bell curve, but the media only talks about the people on the very far fringe left and the very far fringe right. There's no reason in the world that there should be this much division amongst our country politically but it's just, uh, I think it's more propaganda than reality. Did Trump expose more of that fringe than people like you and I believed was out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he enabled, people say, you know, my Republican friends will tell you Trump is not a racist. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but he did enable a lot of racist folks to voice their opinions. So, you know, when you come out and say Mexicans are rapists, you know, they're going to rape you. They're, they're bringing all this crime. You know what? That it's not good when you call the COVID the, the China virus. And then we saw a bunch of elderly Chinese people in New York getting punched. Look, Donald Trump didn't do that. But again, I think a president's words matter. And, uh, I think he did. He brought out the worst side of some dumb folks that, that took that stuff stuff really seriously. So is that what that is? It was just an appeal that was the most common denominator that he felt as though he could run with? Well, you know what? There's a lot of smart people that like Donald Trump, but in Donald Trump's own words, I very much love the uneducated. Because I feel like, you know, an educated Republican could say, man, I really like these tax breaks and I'm going to look away at some of this other stuff. But I think a lot of people... Uh, maybe uneducated, maybe only getting what they see on Facebook and these fringe things about Donald Trump, you know, that are really on board with some of uh, some of the worst in his supporters. Like there was some misogyny there and some racism. You know, there was a lot of stuff, you know, again, January 6th with the, uh, you know, six million wasn't enough Auschwitz T-shirts. You know, there's that that fringe is pretty scary. And I, I definitely think Trump enabled that. And so that is America's radical right. Like we see it in France and we see it in Spain and we see it in England. That's that authoritarian bent that runs through America and we just, uh, some Americans, and we just don't know to what degree, you, you know, how, how uh, prevalent it is. Um, but Trump certainly exposed kind of an ugly underbelly. Yeah. Well, and it feels like for a really long time, you know what I mean? Like you didn't hear about the Klan marching everywhere. And, you know, I think, um, you know, like the yeah. proud boys and some of these things is sort of just the Klan, but cleaned up for the 21st century. Right. So it, there's a lot right. of similarities there, although they might disguise it a little better or make it a little bit different, but a lot of clannish stuff in these, uh, alt, right, I guess alt, right is what it's called marches and things. And you definitely saw a whole bunch of alt, right stuff. Now, somebody could say that that rose is uh, sort of the, the cause and effect of having a black president, a lot of white people that 
aren't shit got really mad about that, that a, a black man could attain that level and, you know, wanted to organize and be really mad about it with their friends. Or you could blame Donald Trump enabling it or a combination of the two. Um, again, I, I'm not saying Donald Trump's a racist. I'm not saying Donald Trump, you know, wants an alt-right, you know, uh, army or anything like that. But when he was asked, you know, if he accepted David Duke's um, endorsement, he was very quick to not say no. And I think it was several weeks later before he mumbled out after the story had died, you know, that he wasn't pro what David Duke stood for. So, so th there was a lot of there was a lot of dog whistles. So do you think some of what we're saying, some of this angst and some of this uh, knuckle dragging and, and, and uh, um, you know, friction is because white men are fighting to the death on keeping power and they and there are certain elements of white male society that sees their reign, R-E-I-G-N, sort of, sort of taking a hit. I mean, it's not going away anytime soon because much too much financial power is in the hands of white men, but it's changing some. So is there some vestige of that, Tristan, that there are Let's just be honest, and there's no not, uh, no way to sugarcoat it. White men who see things changing, and they're holding on with white knuckles. You know what? Th there could be some of that, Ray, but I just see the powerful white people, the, the 1%, the, the guys who own the businesses and the banks. You know, I don't see these guys out, you know, joining the Proud Boys and marching. To me, it's this sort of underbelly you know this web fringe where these guys have been able to organize on 4chan or some of these crazy you know online websites and kind of come together now i'm sure there's a group of guys that you know don't want to be the minority i guess or you know have been pretty damn happy with the way things have been but uh, you know i think there's a lot more guys like me and you and and a lot of republicans included in that that certainly don't want to see people held down based on the color of their skin or where they're from. As long as they're good people, they're going to be accepted by, by most, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you think? It's so, so damn difficult because it gets so ugly and the exploitation is, um, you know, is, is paramount. And that happens, you know, obviously, well, I mean, okay, let, let's take it out of this context and let's put it into this context of Dr. Fauci, Tristan, who announced that at the end of this year, he'll be retiring. And this is actually legitimate. Okay. Cause I always go back and forth cause I want to see it. Rachel Maddow, uh, she's only on Monday nights. Now they've got, uh, Alex Wagner doing Tuesday through uh, Friday, and Rachel Maddow. It's it's Rachel Maddow is out now on just Mondays, and yes, last night was Monday. She had Anthony Fauci on for about a 20, 25 minute interview, and she went into that interview. Um, she she talked about it upcoming did a commercial break and brought him back. And it was just the most laudatory piece. There's only one American who's ever done what this man has done. There will only ever be one American who's done what he's done. Just putting him up on Mount Rushmore. You turn over to Hannity and Tony Fauci is just a lying piece of shit. So where is the truth? Man, I think the, the question or the, that's a good question, but again, we're, we're all, we're all in this bubble. I didn't see, Dr. Fauci say anything that I thought was 
anti-American or horrible. You know, did he like he everybody misled us else with masks, Tristan? He misled us with vaccinations. He misled us where the uh, uh, virus came from. He knew it was from a lab, and he insisted on saying it was from the wet markets. And he told us not to mask. Then he told us to mask. Then he told us vaccinations wouldn't give us the uh, virus and then it did give us the virus and he said well i never said that i said it would protect you from the virus and i mean just beating him to death while rachel maddow has him on mount rushmore how can we have that kind of cognitive cognitive dissonance in our society and that is a great example of this first 25 minutes we've been talking it's a good point and, and again I, I think i've sort of mentioned it earlier with just the division in politics itself like the politicians really enable this hatred and it, it's really sad because i feel like i mean again anthony fauci was uh the director in several republican and several democrat presidential sure. administrations every That's one right. of those presidents including donald trump including donald trump could have fired him at any time so the fact that they kept him on but then also sort of used him to scapegoat at times i thought was horrible now was there some questionable messaging at certain points of the biggest pandemic in our lifetimes man certainly there was and i feel like uh, you could say the same about our governor I think sometimes they were erring on the side of caution because we didn't fucking know every single thing that was going on early. Now, is that the looking back, the worst thing in the world that maybe we took some kids out of school longer than they should have, or, you know, asked people to wear masks and maybe they, they could have probably got along just as good without them. I mean, look, hindsight's phenomenal. It's great to look back and say where we messed up, but I think, when you're dealing with people that you love in your own personal life, when you're talking to your kids, you're going to want them to err on the side of caution, wear your seatbelt, wear a condom, take those antibiotics, whatever it is, because you care about those kids. You care about your family. So if, if Fauci made some mistakes saying, look, we should all get vaccinated so we can go back to work. I've not seen any science to say that's the stupidest thing ever. I'm waiting to see all those millions of people that were going to die because they got you know, because they got the, the vaccine, I'm yet to see anybody die from the vaccine. Um, you know, did it save everybody from catching COVID? No, but did it, you know, I just got over COVID myself and it was extremely mild. And I'm certain that had something to do with the vaccination that I took, you know, again, it's, I wouldn't want his job. I don't think you would want his job and he's probably a millionaire or certainly will be after he retires and writes a couple books. I don't, you know, I don't want that hatred and Rand Paul sitting there in committee acting like he's trying to kill people, man. He took a lot of unwarranted shit. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's, uh, and you're exactly right. Um, he was the face of AIDS in the eighties was doctor, our young Dr. Fauci and Reagan found him. And, and, uh, uh, it was one of the points that Maddow made last night was that he actually took the constructive criticism from the left. It's funny, Tristan, in the 80s, he was hated by the left because they didn't think he was doing enough about AIDS. And in the, uh, whatever we're in now, the aughts and the 20s, um, he's hated by the right. So he's he's run full circle. But the 
AIDS community thought that he wasn't doing enough and there were a lot of experimental drugs that they were willing to try and he said, nope, they haven't been researched and they picketed and they picketed the CDC and they picketed in Washington and he said, all right, if they're willing, I'm willing. Let's let's uh, let, let's go and uh, AZT or whatever. And that's how some of it started to happen where people then started to survive a little bit. Um, and her point was, you know, he took that criticism and he, and he ran with it. Hey, just a quick point. You mentioned protection and condoms. I don't know if you know this, but I always wear, when I walk around, I wear two condoms. So when I take one off, Tris, and I feel like a wild man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you can good. do that. Yeah, I, I would recommend that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will make a note of that. I'll put it in my show notes for the day. <laughs> but I just wish that people could do a little more of this. You know, I'm not going to put it all on Fox because MSNBC is is similar. But you you turn on Fox and there's just not a good thing ever said uh, about Biden. And I'm sure that, you know, MSNBC never says a good thing about Trump. But um, I, I, I still think Fox it holds sets the bar very high on that. and The rest of them follow. But, you know, you're you're a bit more optimistic than I. Maybe it's because I'm older and jaded and cynical. But, you know. I, and actually, I think what it is is because I still, I've said it, I'm one of a hundred, I guess, one, one in a hundred Americans who actually uh, hold politicians in pretty high regard. I think there's a lot of noble people for every Matt Getz or, uh, or Marion Barry, to name a Republican and a Democrat, or just two awful individuals. There are wonderful folks on both sides, noble folks, people who want to get things done. And you say that the politicians stir much of this, so much of this. I think the politicians represent us. I mean, if you, okay, I think the best example of that, Tristan, is our own country, Mitch McConnell, who I think has about as much use for Donald Trump as, you know, I do for a tampon. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of use for it. I think McConnell has no use at all for Trump. But He can't come out and say that, right, because of his people in Kentucky. Now, you can blame McConnell for that, which a lot of uh, folks do. I think you would. And I get that blame. Or you can say, like Shakespeare did, the fault lies not within our stars but within ourselves. There's a lot of people in our state of 4 million here in the Bluegrass State who are very pro-Trump, and if you're McConnell, you got to appease those people, right? If you want to get reelected, you can come out and say Donald Trump's a piece of shit. How far is that going to go? So is that the fault of the politician or the fault of the people? No, I think, Ray, I think you're making an excellent point. So, yeah, it, it goes both ways, and I think it's it's almost a circle. You know, you've got the politicians that will give you a little bit, and then the people take that and run with it, and then the politicians will take that and run with it until it just becomes, you know, a lot of anger and, uh, you know, vitriol between uh, the political parties. So, no, that's a phenomenal point, and, and McConnell has probably walked as close to that line of saying what you're saying, that he doesn't need he Donald has. Trump at all without costing himself, you know, the next election that he's uh, going to run for something. Because well, so much so that Trump came out the other day, Tristan, and said that Mitch was a, was a washed-up old uh, windbag and that his wife, who Trump chose to be in his cabinet as his secretary of labor, was crazy. So that's how ugly it's gotten now. And, and that goes to that, that adage you've heard for years that if you get close enough to Donald Trump sooner or later, that relationship will bite you in the ass. Yeah. No question. 
So, but to go all the way back to your Anthony Fauci question, look, I think he's done probably a, a, a an above average job. I, I wouldn't put him on the Mount Rushmore of doctors, but at the same time, he he doesn't de- deserve a vast majority of the criticism he's gotten on the right. Right. Especially considering he's bipartisan. I, that's what is the most amazing part of that to me. Yeah, it's become a little partisan, obviously. I mean, you know, they sure they'll continue to they'll continue to beat him up, and and of course the right now can't stand him, and so now you've got McCarthy saying that if uh, Republicans do get the House back, you know, he's going to be um, investigating Merrick Garland and the DOJ for. Mar-a-Lago's invasion, and they're going to be investigating Anthony Fauci for all of his missteps. So, gonna, yeah, and so it goes. Although um, that red wave, Trisden, seems to have a little bit of a question mark behind it right now. Yeah, no, I, I would uh, completely agree with that. I mean, I don't want to be overly optimistic, but I would say at the moment, it certainly looks like the Democrats have a great chance of holding on to the Senate and might make it very interesting for keeping the House. I think that's right. And if that is the case, Tristan, do we then have to look at Kansas and that vote? I've said I've said for uh, time immemorial, our buddy Lucas will tell you, probably roll his eyes and say, oh, Jesus, here he goes again. Suburban women. You know, I say suburban white women, which is maybe too much of a generalization, suburban women generally, suburban white women specifically, that's who decides elections. We know how 70% of men are going to vote. They're going to vote Republican. We know how 80% of black folks are going to vote. They're going to vote Democratic. Hispanic folks, a little tougher, maybe 50, 50, 60, 40. Um, But white women are the X factor. And, 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 and are suburban women, white, black, green, yellow. I don't really know any green people, but you know what I'm saying. I'm with um, you. Suburban women decide elections. They're, they're who put Donald Trump in office in 2016. They're who put the Democrats back in in 2018. And they are who beat Trump in 2020. It wasn't white men. It wasn't black folks. It was suburban women. And... Um, there are there are a lot of them who are very 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 pissed off. Yeah, no, and I, I think that is definitely a situation that is not on the left. I don't feel like you've got you know when you're talking abortion rights or rights for women, that's a very Republican specific issue. So, and when you talked about it initially talking about the 1950s and and going back and some of the things that people liked and and sort of having maybe that power over women, you know, I think one of those things that probably isn't very conservative anymore was proven by that Kansas vote. Like you said, look, people don't like their rights being taken from them. So, I mean, I think there may have been room for a lot of conservative women to say, we're going to have a national law that, you know, after eight weeks or, you know, whatever the trimesters, I'm a white man and I'm not exactly sure. But I think there was probably some room for the Supreme Court to clarify that and say, we don't want late-term abortions except in extremely rare circumstances, life of mother, etc. But I think to get rid of those rights or allow states to make those decisions, knowing that those rights were going to go away in a lot of places, I think has a lot of women pretty pissed off. Man, that's a great point. That conservative women obviously reached across the aisle because Kansas is a... Uh, it's purplish in some places, but I'd say an overwhelmingly 
red state, and obviously it wasn't just Democrats who voted, you know, 60-40 against that proposition to make abortion 100% illegal in the state of Kansas. So yeah, and 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 taking your point that that's evidence or a sign of some of that changing in society, that conservatives aren't quite as dogmatic in their views as perhaps they once were. And I, I know people here that I work with who... Um, I mean, Matt will tell you, our our friend Matt Yeager, that he himself is anti-abortion, but he's pro-choice. So he would not opt for abortion for himself in a relationship. Uh, He would certainly try to talk his daughter out of it, but he would never want to see it illegal. And to me, that's about the only compromise you can make in this issue, right? Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say I'm very much different from that you know, with Matt, I mean, it's easy to say as a comfortably middle-class 40 year old that I wouldn't want somebody to have an abortion now, but I feel like even in my twenties, if you know, there had been an accident somehow and you know, somebody was pregnant, look, I I wouldn't want to be the one to say, let's terminate that life. Um, I would, you know, again, that would be the the choice of the mother, I guess at that point, but you know, I would, I'm definitely anti-abortion personally, but very, very pro-choice because I understand the reasons that lead a woman to have to make that decision. So that to me is between a woman and her doctor. I don't know, you know, if she's got an abusive dad or husband or, you know, I can't say you have to bring a child into the world. You know, I, I would like to create a world where, you know, every woman that wanted to to have a child or was pregnant could do it safely with enough money for food and safe guaranteed housing. You know, I would like for everybody to have the, the ability to have a kid, but as far as having that law in this world today, man, they have to have the ability to, to, to get rid of an unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. And I take your point on, yeah, and I take your point on late-term abortions. Again, that might be another place for compromise. I don't think there's anybody or for whoever wanted to um, uh, argue for abortion on demand. They're going to lose that because there's enough moderate folks who say, look, 15 weeks is plenty. Maybe, maybe you got to go to 20. And I thought that's what the Supreme Court would do, make it a 20-week, uh, you know, because by 20 weeks, you're, you're, you're pretty well know. And then after that, you are starting to get to that place where – the fetus is starting to develop, so on and so forth. But yeah, by by just completely overturning it and throwing it back to the states, my God, I mean, you know, you've got women who are out there saying, my granddaughter is going to have less rights than I did. And that's not what that's not what our country is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about progress and increasing rights. I believe it's the first time in Supreme Court history that a right was taken away. And, it, you know, again, if Democrats can't make hay out of that, Trisden, then they are just unskillful. Yeah, I would agree, and 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 that That's is all fascinating. I would talk about. You know, I would talk about you're, that you're almost right. every because you can make that. You know, you you can turn that into that whole authoritarian argument. Now, I don't know if you saw this. Um, Chuck Todd had it on Meet the Press. Somebody on the right might say, "Oh, that's uh, you know ridiculous, left wing, crazy." For the first time since they've been at, in polling, <laughs> the economy didn't finish first. People, and I think it was 24% of Americans, so one out of four, were more concerned with the loss of American democracy than they were with inflation, which came in at 21%. Because they had like 10 issues ranked as most important. 
and the loss of American democracy led that list. Now, Trisden, I can't think that hurts Democrats either, because who is the party right now that's representing a potential loss of American democracy? It ain't Democrats. No, it's definitely not uh, Joe Biden. It's not Brandon running around telling you that your vote doesn't count or it doesn't, you know, that he lost, won an election he didn't win or vice versa. No, it's fascinating. And and to your point about abortion, I also watched Meet the Press and saw Andy Barr, uh, our uh, representative yeah, on this he week. Was, wasn't he? Yeah. It was it was fascinating because every question that he was asked by Chuck Todd, the answer was, and we need to go to the border because drugs are getting across the border. So it was, Andy Barr, what do you think about abortion? Well, the thing about abortion is if we don't secure the border with the drugs coming in and Joe Biden's week on the border. So my takeaway from that and what you said was, A, I, I like Andy Barr. He's, he's a nice guy in person. I've ch- chatted with him several times. I don't, I don't agree with him politically, but I also love that he's not a Trumper. But to me, every Democrat that's on Meet the Press for the next four months, that should be how you answer a question. So, Mr. Right. Dem- Mr. Democrat, what do you think about the border? Well, it's hard to worry about the border when we're taking away women's rights. Women, de- You know what? I mean, if that's, if that's the way politics is going to work now, that is literally the answer for every question that a Democrat answers, you know, if in, in, infinitely until the, the election. Right. And for people listening outside our immediate area, Andy Barr is our Republican uh, representative, our sixth, dis- our sixth district congressperson who represents Trisden and myself. And um, uh, yeah, he's a very nice man. He suffered a terrible tragedy sometime back when his young wife passed away of an undiagnosed heart ailment. My heart went out to him. He seems nice enough, but he's pretty conservative. And I called it boilerplate watching him, Trisden. It was just Republican talking points. It was boilerplate. You you hit it dead on. He was told what to say, and he said it. He even went on a little bit. Todd was like, uh, Congressman, time to go. I've given you plenty of time this morning. Yes, but the border, Chuck, the border. That was funny. <laughs> no, it, it was pretty wild. And, and, you know, I don't love that. I don't love when they don't answer the questions. I don't like when they just deflect and talk about what they want to talk about. But at the same time, you know, uh, Chuck did ask him about his stance on Trump. And, of course, he just deflected and talked about the border. But you know what? At least that's issue politics. At least they're talking about actual issues. At least border security is a real issue. It is nice to have those types of conversations, even if you disagree, even if you don't like the tone of the conversation. Isn't it better to talk about border security than faulty election bullshit that's just completely untrue? Right. Right. And Beto O'Rourke's an interesting guy. I haven't seen any polling on that race, but um, boy, he's... Have you seen him interviewed? Very intelligent man, makes his points well, probably comes across as somewhat arrogant to some people, but he never backs down from, you know, from a debate, from a, you know, a conflict. He's pretty much calls it as he sees it. Yeah. Yeah. I like Beto. He's a little excitable. I don't know if he's quite ready, uh, you know, for like a presidential, he's ready for a presidential run. I don't know that it's his time yet. Well, he's running for uh, governor of Texas. So, yeah, if he could, if he could get there now, Abbott's pretty tough and two years. Well, I assume it's Abbott he's running against. I don't know if Texas has a term limit on two terms because Abbott's at the end. But how about that lack of a better term political stunt that Abbott's pulled now with sending, um, Busloads of immigrants to Washington, D.C. and New York City. 
that is interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. And pretty it, fascinating. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of like it in terms of uh, Governor Abbott. I, you know, I, I think, look, if, if all these people are coming across the border and, you know, they legally get to stay somewhere, look, We'll we'll spread them out. We're gonna send you some of you guys to other states. There's no reason that Texas should have to keep everybody. I kind of understand that. You know, I mean, obviously it was a polit- political maneuvering situation, right. but you know, but the, I, there's some merit to to probably do that and to spread folks out. What do yeah, you I think mean, about that? It's a ballsy play. It's it's a it's a ballsy play. Politics are you know a big boy's business. He hasn't seemingly gotten a whole bunch of negative feedback about it you know there's some people screaming and yelling but he's kind of standing there with his middle finger up yeah i wonder how that works though like do they alert the new york governor that this busload is going to be arriving at two o'clock on wednesday afternoon be ready for him i think he should i mean i would say that's probably the least he could do is he doing that good question i don't know i wonder and what is the obligation you know once they get up there i guess that's the entire debate isn't it yeah I mean, what do you think about the border? Should everybody just be sent back? Should there be, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. I think the problem is, Ray, it's like every other political issue. There's so much nuance there. It's it's not a blanket. We got to throw everybody back or we got to let everybody in. Now, that said, Republicans will tell you Democrats just want to let everybody in. I don't know any Democrats ever that I've ever talked to that think the answer is open borders. I mean, again, that's a Republican talking point. But I right. do feel like people in the middle of these drug wars, you know, good folks that are just trying to live their right. lives and they need asylum. Look, that's what America is. That's why we have the Statue of Liberty. The point of America is bring us your tired, your weak. Now, does that mean bring us your drug dealers and your crackheads? No. So again, we have to, we have to, we have to do it the right way. Now, maybe we have to make it easier for people that are seeking asylum than I know it was under Trump and certainly, you know, maybe still is, but no, I mean, I think you probably have to fund it. You probably have to have a, a council that's deciding whether people need to be let in or not. Um, you know, it's tough and it's sad that the country is in such bad shape that so many people are trying to sneak across just for a chance at a minimum wage job to support well, their family. Yeah, I don't think it's Mexicans anymore. 20, 15, 20 years ago, it was Mexican folks. I think Mexico's pretty stable. Those people are doing fine. The Mexicans that wanted to come over have come over. I think it's Central America, to your point. Um, you know, the Nicaraguans, the Hondurans, where those vicious, vicious battles are being fought. You know, Colombia, which was the drug capital of the world forever, finally got an honest president, and and he ran the cartels out, and they landed in Honduras, and they landed in Nicaragua, and they're fighting turf wars, and so on and so forth, and people are splitting, coming up through Mexico, and coming to the United States. It's it's not Mexicans. It's Central Americans. Yeah, I, and that's a good point. You do see more caravans, I guess, coming up. Uh, at least that's what Fox News tells me. It's all caravans of, of, of those folks coming up from Central America. So yeah, so apologies for uh, grouping them in with, you know, Mexico and Mexicans. So would it be different, Trizan, if it was caravans of Swedes and Finns and Danish people coming? Oh, you know the answer. To bring this entire conversation full circle? You know the answer to that, Ray, and uh, as well as I do. Uh, especially in, in a Donald Trump's America, if there's a, a caravan of Irish folks coming up from Ireland due to a, a war, they're, they're not getting this, the same scrutiny that the folks of, of Latin heritage are getting. In my opinion, I, I hope I'm wrong.
It certainly feels that way. Yeah. Shithole countries, right? Now, as a proud Irish, proud Irishman, I will, or a, an American of Irish heritage, I will remind you, though we overcame it pretty quickly, in New England in the 1920s where the signs N-I-N-A, no Irish need apply. Yeah. Because those wasps had no use for us mix. Yeah. No, no question. I think every group, you know, Jews, Italians, Irish, of course, everybody new to America coming over uh, has, has taken some shit. It's sort of a rite of passage, unfortunately. I mean, nobody ever just gets welcomed in as the new group uh, to, to perfect harmony, uh, unfortunately, right. again. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely think, um, yeah, Irish and everybody's assimilated pretty fast. And, uh, and so will, so will folks of Latin American, uh, Latin descent, you know, everybody's going to be fine. Right. It happens when they get, when they build up a bit of wealth and when they build up some political muscle, I mean, the Irish, I don't know how many Irish folks, you know, but they're pretty good bullshitters and they make decent politicians and, um, they became successful politicians, you know, honey Fitz in Boston, who was, uh, who was, um, Rose Kennedy's father. That was the Fitzgerald, Honey Fitzgerald. He was the first real big Irish politician in probably the late 1800s. Um, and then, of course, that led to the Kennedys. And that's why waspy Americans really had a lot of disdain for the Kennedys, because that was the first real Irish Catholic who was prominent. And he was just, uh, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt made him the first head of the Security and Exchange Commission right after the crash in 29. There was no SEC. There was no regulation on the stock market, which is one of the reasons that it crashed. And when Roosevelt appointed him in 1933, when he appointed Joe Kennedy, people said, this Joe Kennedy, because Kennedy made money during the Depression. He foresaw the crash. He liquidated everything. He went down to Palm Beach, Florida, and who knows how much money he had at that time, $50 million, $30 million, a vast amount of cash. And when everything crashed, people were going to him, and he was lending them money at, you know, shark rates, right? He wasn't giving it to him for 2 or 3%. He was giving it to him for 20 or 25 because he had foreseen the crash. And so they said to Roosevelt, that son of a bitch, you know, what did he know that we didn't know? And Roosevelt said he didn't know anything. He was just smarter than the rest of us. And that was, you know, led to the, the dynasty that I guess now has finally ended. Is there any Kennedy still? I think there, there's, there are a couple of kids. Maybe there's a kid who's a congressman from Massachusetts, but they sort of had their run in the middle part of this last century, right? That's true. And the fascinating thing to me about that story is that you pronounce it Roosevelt. Roosevelt. I said Roosevelt. Yeah. Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's name. I don't know, but he would, you know. A day that will live in infamy. Indeed. He had. You listen to him speak, you know, he couldn't speak like that anymore. My fellow Americans, it's like Walter Cronkite delivering the news, right? And hear now the news. Yeah, like all the folks in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, all the media, hello there, tune in now, you're going to watch a live TV program broadcast. Like all those, everybody talked so cool back then, and now it's just all- They did talk cool. Yeah, Yeah. slang and and crap now, but- uh, and the you know the boxing matches yeah no they talk cool that's very true yeah. all right brother well we killed an hour accomplished absolutely not a not a damn thing. thing there you but, go uh, 
Yeah, good you, times. You want me to tell a quick joke? Are you are you doing your um, you you got a top ten list? What what I've did today, Ray, is um, we've got a few reviews already on the the podcast, and uh, so you can go to Google, yeah. uh, you can go to uh, Spotify, you can go to Apple, some of these places, and and leave a review. So I've just I've picked up some of our actual five star reviews. And if, uh, if you guys leave five-star reviews, I'll read them on the show. So that's what I've got. Uh, see, only five-star. Five yeah, so really? only, if okay. you, only if you do the five-star. If you do a four-star review, I'm not going to read it on the show, but five-star reviews I'll read on the show. So I'm going to do Man, that in place of a comedy bit. It's a world of reviews now, isn't it? Every fucking thing has to be reviewed. It's crazy. So, man, we don't get your comedy this week. Okay, because I've got a really a joke that's – not very good. So, so this joke brought to you by our friends at uh, Berea Pond. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Aaron. So, Tristan, what do you get if you put a dairy cow in a garden? Dairy cow in a garden, man. I don't know. Milkweed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're both laughing. <laughs> nice, pretty good. It's simple, simple but effective. Hey, you know, we've been doing this for a year, Tristan, and I think this might have been the first joke I ever told, and it's like my all-time favorite joke. So I'm going to retell it. Sounds good. Celebrate our year anniversary. And it's a quickie, and it's clean, and I love this joke. Two old guys sitting on a park bench down in Florida, and the one says to the other, man, I have gotten this hearing aid that I should have gotten Two years ago, three years ago, my wife was telling me I wasn't hearing anything, and I blew her off, and I was missing things on television, and I picked this thing up last week, and it is unbelievable. I hear absolutely everything now, and I realized how much I missed, and God, I wish I would have done this three years ago. And his buddy says, really? What kind is it? And the guy says, about 2.30. (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke. That's good stuff. <laughs> so a year from now, I'll tell it again. Nice. I, I like it. That's how we celebrate the anniversary. Uh, so, yeah. So I will do the the uh, the Bad Wolf Gaming, um, uh, some some f- actual five-star reviews. So check out our friends at Bad Wolf. Guy, uh, go over and, and, and buy some magic cards and... And and play Yu-Gi-Oh and 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 just have a great place to, to hang out with your family and check them out yeah. at seven seven eleven Chestnut and Berea or give them a call at eight five nine six four six six zero six one and Ray you and I need to go to Berea Pond which the studio yes. may be moving to Berea Pond if we could just get you free for one evening to swing by there and check out this space but uh, I was down there hanging out with Aaron over the weekend and. As always, they're totally stocked up with a lot of cool stuff. It's got sporting goods, buck knives, guns and ammo, uh, like all kinds of pallet stuff. Like they just get in pallets from Target. They put it all out and, you know, first come, first serve, man. And it's like a fraction of the cost of what you'd pay at Target or any of the big box stores. So you got to check out my buddy Aaron at Berea Pond. Took me out. No, wait, I took him out to a nice meal uh, uh, oh, nice. this past week. So it was good to hang out with him and his family. He's got a son who's a little bit more left than he is. And I have Uh-oh. a great time. He brings his son to these dinners and his wife. And I, I really enjoy his point of view. Cause that definitely makes Aaron squirm a little bit here in that, uh, you know, that liberal mentality in his old, in his own house. So I love yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> and again, I mentioned earlier guys with, uh, with our producer, Troy, Check him out at frontporchstudios.com. Uh, and if you're getting ready for a, for a fall trip here, 
Click on that link first. Go through Expedia. And if you go through Expedia, Troy gets a little bump at front porch. He appreciates that. And if you think you can do what we do, which you, you probably can. Uh, also, he's some details on there about how to get started in the, in the podcast world. Don't miss out. You'll love Troy. And uh, frontporchstudios.com. So, Ray, here we are with some actual five-star reviews. Um, from uh, These are from Apple. So, are you ready? <clears throat> I am at, I am ready. All right. So at danceboy32 writes, listening to Ray eat cashews during an entire episode was better than ASMR. Five stars. So <laughs> the second one at Todd. Oh. <laughs> so I guess you had an episode maybe where you ate nuts the whole episode and it was very noticeable. Is uh, what uh, what I've gathered from that. So at Todd Clanton1981 writes. You both sound fat. Five stars. It's not very nice. Yeah, well, okay. It's kind of At least one of us is. Yeah, maybe both. Let's yeah, see. Possibly. At Patty White writes, thanks for oh, keeping no. Ray out of the house for an hour a week. Five stars. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't know who that is. Listener. Um, actual, actual. These are actual. actual. Yes, actual five-star yes. views. So at yes. Media Brain. At Media Brain 200 writes, in a world where I can get breaking news from dozens of immediate, well-informed, better educated, and more qualified sources, I would much rather hear your hillbilly opinions two weeks after the fact. Hashtag sarcasm, but five stars. So thanks, Media and Brain. And sarcasm, obviously, Trisden, and it's probably been two or three episodes since I mentioned this. Sarcasm obviously doesn't know I'm from New Jersey. Oh, I keep that. I keep that on the down low. Really? That's a little secret secret that, uh, that you keep. Yeah. But I mean, no, hillbilly, come on. Yeah. So, okay. So one more actual five-star view from Apple. This is from at Trump is daddy. Eagle writes you Brandon humping losers. I hate your fake news. However, I'm a big fan of Aaron and Berea Pond. Keep up the good work. Five stars. Perfect. Yeah. So actual, Very well so, done. so, so jump on, leave some reviews. We'll read them on the show. Yes, thank you for that, Tristan. Indeed. So, Ray, good chatting with you, man. Let's do it again soon. We will do it again soon, Tristan. We're going to get together and find a studio, and it might be down at Aaron's place, and we will have some fun. I get, like it. we got to get a few more guests on because yeah. we do beat our gums a little too long sometimes. Yeah, I've got some, I've some, got some good ideas. folks lined up, too, so be good. I've got some good ideas, yeah, and you have, you have connections. Like I said, you bring in heavy hitters, I bring in friends from the bowling center. Both equally good. Yeah, I hope so. All right, brother, have a great evening. Hey, you too, Ray. Bye. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.